Overnight on ABC Radio. Why are people riding the subway in Boston with no pants? We'll find out in just a few moments. And also, sadly, news that vaping is killing more people in Boston, Massachusetts. And Celeste Katz has the details for us on the latest tweets from the White House. Celeste, hello. Welcome to you. Thank you. Thank you for having me. The Commander-in-Chief has been tweeting? Yeah, according to uh, President Donald Trump, everything's going just great here in the United States. Uh, I don't know if that qualifies as breaking news, but uh, people's 401ks, their retirement savings are going up. Uh, cancer deaths are at a uh, an astonishing low, and uh, we're we're pretty darn lucky from what he says. Even though a lot of people have been on tent hooks the last couple of days since the uh, death of the Iranian general Qasem Soleimani. Yeah, well, there's that, but. Uh... Uh, he, he's uh, he's sort of striking a very upbeat note. Obviously, he has he has a lot going on right now, to say the very least. And he has come out essentially and said that uh, Iran seems to be standing down after this uh, 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 after our killing of Soleimani and uh, the resultant strike on the uh, the base in Iraq. Uh, that may not be the case. Now we are hearing obviously new reports that. Uh, more revenge may be on the way for that killing. So uh, things are changing moment by moment, and clearly the president, who also happens to be in the middle of an impeachment process, is uh, trying to look on the bright side. A lot of people, uh, some might say, are, are cynical in saying that to divert attention away from that impeachment trial, this is why he's doing some of the things he's doing at the moment. Is Is that what a lot of people are saying? I think that the people who are saying that are certainly people who are already not fans of the president. As you well know and your listeners well know, Donald Trump is an extremely polarizing figure, uh, not just in the United States, but through the entire world. There was some some polling recently that showed um, that uh, substantial numbers of people, not only here in the United States, but uh, overseas, do not consider him qualified to be handling world affairs and so on. So... Anything that Donald Trump does, there is sort of baked into the cake automatically a large contingent of people who think that he is doing it to deflect, distract, uh, to glorify himself in some way. And then there are people who are his fans who say that uh, Soleimani was by no means uh, uh, the everlasting prince of peace, that (laughs) this was not somebody that he would want to hang out with and have over to your house for uh, for dinner and drinks, uh, and that uh, the United States was acting in its own uh, military and geopolitical interests in wiping them out. Um, which side you're on is up to you. There's a long history of a checkered relationship, certainly the last 40 years with Iran, isn't there? Sometimes the US and Iran have been close to each other, and sometimes obviously not close to each other. I wonder how much this all separates President Trump from previous presidents because they all have their detractors, don't they? Yeah, I mean, going back to, to the Ayatollah, as you say, I mean, 40 years, decades and decades of of alternating relationships, uh, uh, deals. Donald Trump, for example, has been highly critical of the nuclear deal struck under the previous administration, um, President Barack Obama, coming to some sort of... Uh, uh, 
some sort of agreement to control uh, nuclear proliferation in Iran. Uh, Bedrock, part of his platform, was dumping on that deal and saying that it was not in the the best interests of the United States, that it was essentially a a giveaway to the Iranians, and that um, he's trying to take a very strong stance on preventing Iran from becoming a nuclear power. and doing away with those deals which he thought were essentially soft under uh, the previous administration, which is, again, kind of part of his overall uh, playbook as a president, going after, for example, uh, what was originally called NAFTA here in the United States, the North American Free Trade Agreement, which is now the USMCA, saying that we were getting a shoddy deal in trade with Canada and Mexico, or going after our economic relationships with uh, uh, countries like China, and so on. Uh, Donald Trump's general positioning on all this stuff is that the United States has been getting jerks around for years, that we've been the policemen of the world, we've been underwriting NATO for little gain, that we have been uh, being rocked blind by our trading partners, uh, and that we've been taken advantage of in diplomatic and military relations. And so his 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 uh, self-portrait, as he paints it, is one of a guy who is going to put, quote-unquote, America first. Now, whether the way he's going about doing that, again, uh, is the best way or not, we will find out in November 2020. And that's why he campaigned under the slogan, Make America Great Again. But just in relation to the current situation with the um, assassination of Iranian General Qasem Soleimani, some lawmakers, including Republicans, the people on President Trump's side, have criticised the lack of information shared by the Trump administration during some classified congressional briefings about the killing of General Soleimani. Vice President Mike Pence has had something to say about this. What did he say? Yeah, he said basically that people who came out of some of those briefings, lawmakers who came out of those briefings, feeling like they had not really gotten... uh, a good amount of information or a legitimate amount of information about why we undertook this specific action. Uh, Pence is essentially saying, look, we would like to be able to tell you more, but it would, it would endanger uh, the, the sort of vectors that we have to get this information, the military intelligence and so on. And people are saying, well, why then, uh, you know, if you don't want to put that information out at large to the general public, Maybe that's one thing, but in a classified briefing with members of the United States Congress, what seems to be the problem? So people obviously are looking at that and sort of questioning, uh, if you can't, is it, is it that you don't want to tell us or is it you can't tell us because there's no there there? Mm. Yes, as you say, it's one thing telling the general public it's different inside a classified congressional briefing as to how much information is being revealed. But Vice President Pence simply, in a way, reading between the lines, is he saying you just have to trust us on this? Very much so. And I think that, uh, again, that comes down to whether people are comfortable trusting this administration, comfortable trusting this president and his service, or not. And he's very much, uh, you know, putting this out there. This was in an interview earlier on uh, the Today Show on NBC here uh, with Pence saying that there was some extremely, quote-unquote, compelling evidence about uh, why Soleimani had to be killed, why the United States took that action. But 
uh, it would compromise our our intelligence sources to actually put that out there. So yeah, it's very it's very much a case of sort of you'll just have to trust me. This is Overnights on ABC Radio. I'm Tony Arthur filling in for Rod Quinn this weekend. I'll be with you for the rest of this morning and the next couple of mornings. And joining us at the moment from Boston, Massachusetts, our overnight correspondent there, Celeste Katz. Now, Celeste, vaping is killing more people in Massachusetts. A fourth person has now died from a vaping-associated lung injury. What can you tell us? Yeah, this is something that has been very much in the news not just in Massachusetts, of course, but in the United States generally, uh, there was a, a spate of vaping-related injuries and uh, sicknesses and deaths uh, from different kinds of vaping products. And so a fourth person died uh, this week. It was uh, related to uh, the vaping of THC, which is the, the chemical found in pot in marijuana. Um, and this is I think about the, the between 30 and 40 cases um, have been reported just since September, um, and there are hundreds of suspect cases. Um, the CDC here in the United States is looking into this, and some states, including Massachusetts, have moved to limit or ban the sale of some of these products. Um, and as we've talked about on overnights before, vaping in the United States has become something of a craze. And it was originally just supposed to be basically a bridge for people to go from smoking cigarettes, what they now call combustible smoking, this has to be an actual name for this now, um, to quitting, that it was a nicotine delivery system, essentially like wearing a patch or chewing a gum or, or sucking on a lozenge. Uh, but instead, people just cut from, uh, they skipped the smoking part and just went directly to being addicted to vaping, uh, which could not only deliver nicotine, but could also deliver the active ingredient in marijuana. And hasn't and, there also been quite a controversy around these electronic cigarettes that uh, particularly aimed at young people that had all sorts of sweet flavours? Yeah, very much so. That has been a really, really big part of the discussion that uh, vaping was designed to... Uh, I'm not designed, I guess this is what, what the critics would say, very much as they would have criticized the design, uh, say, of advertising uh, of uh, cigarettes and so on, very much aiming it at young people. So instead of having cigarettes that taste like tobacco, you have vaping uh, juices or fluid that taste like bubble gum and cherries and, and cupcakes and things like that, things that would be sweet that would appeal to children. And because it's not smoking per se for a while there was this sort of gray area like who could buy vaping products there's you know most places in the united states the legal age to buy cigarettes might be 18 or 21 or something like that but who could buy a vaping product it wasn't really a cigarette where could you use it could you use it on an airplane could you use it at school could you use it on the bus and so it sort of created this whole this whole area of of discussion or dispute about what this thing was and who could use it. And now we're finding out, uh, we have to ask the question, who, who might it be hurting? I actually heard a story from someone who said uh, about six months ago they went to see a, a play or a musical in Sydney here in one of the major theatres and they could tell someone about five rows in front was sending up these little 
clouds of the smoke that very quickly evaporate. But I sort of thought, seriously? Even if you think it's nowhere near as bad as cigarette smoke and stuff, would you do it in a theatre? You, you just cease to never cease to be amazed, I suppose. But, but Massachusetts and Boston, no different to the rest of the states as far as this is concerned? I think Massachusetts is among a number of states that have been particularly aggressive about limiting the sales. It's not completely outlawed, but this is going a lot further. I think that if you go back to, um, if you do sort of a retrospective and you look back at the times when uh, four out of five doctors recommended that you smoke a certain kind of cigarettes because it was uh, very relaxing and uh, and uh, good for your health, um, now looking at uh, discussions of completely banning items even like menthol cigarettes, any kind of flavored tobacco, in addition to vaping products. And uh, the question becomes, um, always, what will replace it? Because, you know, we had uh, loose-leaf tobacco, then we had manufactured cigarettes, then we had uh, vaping. Now, there's, there's always going to be another thing. There's always going to be another thing, mainly because if you look at um, the vaping industry, frankly, um, a lot of the companies that started out as these small, uh, independent uh, manufacturers of vaping products were bought up by big tobacco companies, and there is money to be made there. And so that, of course, to no, nobody's surprise, ends up being the bottom line. Is there money to be made there? And uh, if so, how much money will be spent lobbying the federal government or state governments, in this case, uh, here in Massachusetts and elsewhere, uh, to keep this stuff legal and on the market. And I think a lot of health authorities for a long time, whenever asked about their opinion of vaping, would sort of say, look, the jury's out. We're not really prepared to make a judgment yet. But the longer it does go on, there are more cases like this, as you say, being reported in, in many numbers. The Department of Health there, 341 reports of su suspected cases of vaping-associated lung injury in a short period of time that's a lot to deal with so you can understand how the authorities are trying to do everything they can to reduce the uh, availability of these products isn't there absolutely and look people make a legitimate argument people who are supportive of vaping and it's a real simple one they say well you're you're reading all these stories now about hundreds of people possibly suspected of becoming sick or dying because of vaping. How many people have been killed by cigarettes? Okay, so what do we know about vaping, which is a relatively, relatively new uh, technology, a relatively new product, versus what we have studied and what has been proven and what has been upheld in the court system about smoking tobacco? Is this a case of um, batches? of, of uh, vaping liquid that were contaminated, perhaps, because that's been an issue, is this a question of, of products being produced on the cheap that are not really up to uh, safety standards, that are, are they black market products and so on? Um, are people jumping to a conclusion about vaping? And look, I mean, I can understand that it seems pretty easy to jump to a conclusion that if people are using this stuff and like pretty shortly afterwards they're dropping dead, like you might see how it's reasonable to look <laughs> at that and say, this maybe isn't the best thing to have around high school kids. There's not maybe much. This isn't something you should start doing at 14. Not much distance between the dots that have to be joined there, is there? 
uh, you know, again, this is uh, this is something that's definitely playing out in state houses across the country at the federal level. The president has talked about limiting it, and it seems like, uh, you know, from a political standpoint, it would kind of seem like uh, an easy one to hit out of the park, so to speak, right? Something that's being marketed uh, directly or indirectly to children. People are getting sick from it. Let's control it. Let's you know, let's dial it back. Let's restrict it. Let's put age limits on it. Let's make it super expensive. Let's tax the hell out of it. All those things. But again, um, when there is this much money to be made on a product that um, arguably has addictive, at least you know in some cases, nicotine and addictive substance in it. Uh, things get more complicated. Yeah, and I think the debate will go on for a while yet, not just in the United States, we're having it here too. Celeste, before we let you go, I understand the current average temperature in Boston is around minus 5 Celsius, but uh, there is an unusual activity underway for Bostonians to entertain themselves in the cold. Yes, there is uh, coming up this weekend, and uh, I re- I regret to... Uh, well, actually, I'm, I'm, I'm happy to inform... Uh, residents of the Commonwealth of Massachusetts. I probably won't be participating in this, <laughs> but uh, coming up on January 12th, Sunday, is uh, No Pants Subway Ride Boston 2020 Day. Which, which means what precisely? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Even my, my dog in the background is, is so horrified at the prospect of this. He's, he's making a little noise back there. Right. So, are they yeah. talking? Are they talking about um, trousers or underpants or what here? I think it's more like just taking off your jeans or your, you know, I mean, I don't, you don't take everything off because I just that the nightmare proportions of of even thinking about that are <laughs> are leaving me a little speechless. But I think it's I think it's supposed to be. I think it was started by like an improv comedy group a while back, and it's become this tradition where you basically you get on the train and you act like everything's totally normal and cool and then you just take off your pants and you sit there and you ride the train and then you go about your business and then I think you go to a party at a bar afterwards and I probably would need a couple of drinks after witnessing something like that. Mm, certainly would. My, yeah. <laughs> Whether it's to warm yourself up or calm yourself down after what you've seen or what you've experienced yourself. So uh, we'll no doubt see pictures of that. You're saying it's happening in a couple of days. Yeah, I think that will be on uh, January 12th. This is something that goes on in a few different places, but uh, Boston is uh, is getting ready for this this, uh, this Delightful celebration, as it were. All right. Hey, Celeste, nice to catch up with you. Thank you very much for sharing uh, some time with us. Always a pleasure. Celeste Katz, our correspondent in Boston in Massachusetts.